Okay, we're recording. Uh, welcome everybody. This is Steampunk Star Raisin. I'm here with Daniel from Daniel's Hot Topics and Daniel Star Trek. Uh, this is the world is a mess, and I just want to steampunk it. This is the uh, September the fifth, uh, two thousand twenty, as I'm recording this, and I'm here with Daniel Bertazon from yeah. Ontario, Canada. How's it going, Daniel? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steampunk? I'm doing okay. I'm doing as well as can be considered, uh, considering you know COVID nineteen and the quarantine and everything here in LA. With the exception of maybe gas stations or grocery stores is pretty much shut down or are at a restricted function. Like there's no movie theaters, there's no bars to go to, there's no clubs, <laughs> conventions have been canceled. Uh, you know, uh, you know, even like McDonald's or Popeye's Chicken, you you can order food and go in the dining room, but you have to take it to go. You can't uh, linger, uh, mm -hmm. which makes it harder for somebody like me that doesn't have a car but so yeah I'm doing okay all things considered uh, I'm here on my my uh, studio apartment I got my art I've got my you know some of my Star Trek autographs some of my favorite oh, autographs. those are nice those are nice picks I like those picks well yeah I mean that's that's picture of, that's a real picture of me with Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner uh, mm -hmm. That's a uh, Leonard Nimoy autograph, William Shatner autograph, Patrick Stewart autograph. Uh, that's George Romero autograph, and that's an Adam West Batman autograph. Oh wow! Well, you look so different in that autograph where you're with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, that was prior to me being steampunk. Uh, you know, this was in 2009 before I wore the steampunk hat. You know, I had shorter hair back then. Mm -hmm. A little bit younger back then. It's just eleven years ago. Uh, it was well the first and this was the first and last Dragon Con that uh, Leonard Nimoy did. Uh, Leonard Nimoy had never been to Dragon Con before, and he never would go to mm -hmm. Dragon Con again because of declining health. This was the second to last convention that he did uh, wow. because uh, he was in declining health. He did uh, Star Trek convention in Las Vegas after uh, whatever that convention is called. I've never been to it. But he did a Star Trek convention in Las Vegas after Dragon Con and back in 2009 and then he would he would stop doing conventions after that because it is COPD and complications with uh, health problems. He had problems breathing. Uh, he would get tired easily and so sadly uh, he died six years later in 2015. But uh, yeah, um, oh, I, saw the interview. I saw the interview. I can talk about the interview that I saw on YouTube. It was an interview from 2016, and it kind of angered me because William Shatner was full of crap uh, because he was sitting there saying, I was close friends with Leonard Nimoy, and, and I don't know why he stopped talking to me. It's a mystery to this day. And, you know, he didn't go to Leonard Nimoy's funeral. He claimed that he was doing some charity function and that's why he couldn't go to Leonard Nimoy's funeral. But come on, dude, something as important as a, a funeral. If you really cared about the person, you, you would have gone. He said that he wasn't invited to the funeral. 
Well, I can tell you why is because, you know, I got a taste of that, like at the Leonard Nimoy William Shatner track of Dragon Con 2009. Um, I barely got in there. I had to stand in line an hour in advance and I didn't get there early enough. And so I had to sit in the back of the auditorium at the Marriott and I had to watch the whole track slash panel uh, from LCD screens at, that were at the back for people at the back to be able to see. I could see Leonard Nimoy and Wim Shatner, but they were like that small to me. They were really, really tiny because I was really, really far away. But luckily they had a good surround sound system. They had good uh, LCD screens. So I was able to see what was going on in the track. And during the, the, the track, uh, William Shatner is interviewing Leonard Nimoy as if he's a guest on his show, Short Fuse. You know, he's talking about how he has this new talk show called Short Fuse, and his first guest was uh, Rush Limbaugh, and he was quite a delight. And I'm like, God, Rush Limbaugh is such a douche. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, um, especially if you look at Rush Limbaugh's comments of uh, Michael J. Fox, but the uh, basically um, he started, you know, he, he's talked about how he didn't mind that he wasn't in the new Star Trek movie, but he bitched about it for like a half hour straight. He talked, you know, you, you could tell he was a little butt hurt, a little envious that Leonard Nimoy actually got to be in the new Star Trek movie, but he did not because Leonard Nimoy had kind of revitalized his career. His acting career had kind of been in decline and it revitalized his acting career and his popularity at conventions. And they, you could tell he was a little bit envious. And so he's asking Leonard Nimoy some really personal questions. And he was like, so Leonard, you sued um, Gene Roddenberry back in the seventies. How about that? Can you tell us about that? And you could tell it totally caught Leonard Nimoy off guard because he was like, uh, 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 he was hesitated because he had to think about what he was going to say because it was a very sensitive subject. But the backstory on that was in the seventies, Gene Roddenberry was going to Star Trek convention and he was using blooper reel of Spock and Captain Kirk. He was using blooper reels of um, from Star Trek and showing them at conventions, which was funny and hilarious. I've seen some of the blooper reels. Uh, you know, people have uploaded them to YouTube. And um, there was a, a clause in his contract that if you use any additional footage, he has to be paid. So he sued Gene Roddenberry, but they resolved their differences and he got back together with Gene Roddenberry in time to do Star Trek The Motion Picture. But, so William Shatner was prying, and he would even allow Leonard Nimoy to finish, and he's like, oh, what do you care anyway? You're going to be dead in a few years anyway. And everybody, like, gasped. They're like, wow, what an a-hole. What an a-hole mm -hmm. for William Shatner to say, well, you're going to be dead in a few years anyway. You might as well just cough up your secret. And it just came off as very, you know... He came off as very envious, very jealous of Leonard Nimoy. He came off as very self-centered, uh, you know, and, you know, kind of a, an egotistical sociopath, and, you know, which explains why William Shatner admired Rush Limbaugh, talked about how much he was a delight. And he's, like, sitting there insulting Leonard Nimoy. And then, you know, Leonard Nimoy, I loved his comeback, and everybody cheered because it was a great comeback. And he was like, well, Bill, because that was his nickname for William Shatner was Bill. He's like, well, Bill, I guess that's why you weren't in the new Star Trek, because you were dead. And everybody <laughs> laughed and cheered. I thought it was hilarious. And 
So I think somebody uploaded it to YouTube. You should look it up. DragonCon 2009, Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner track. And he was referring to William Shatner's character, Captain Kirk, died in Star Trek Generations. And that's, you know, but he, he was, you know, making a pun. And it was hilarious. And the word on the the word on the street and the gossip, and I believe it, knowing uh William Shatner was that he got offered a role. He got offered a cameo in 2009 Star Trek by J.J. Abrams, but J.J. Abrams turned him down because Leonard, or uh, not Leonard Nimoy, but William Shatner demanded $50 million just to do a cameo. Because mm-hmm. he was like, well, Robert Downey Jr. got paid $50 million to play Iron Man. Yes. Yes, he did, but he got paid $50 million to do Iron Man in all three Iron Man movies. To do Iron Man in all the Avengers movies, there's been what four Avengers movies, and in all the Iron Man cameos, you know, like in Spider-Man Four, he got paid fifty million to do multiple movies, including cameos in movies. And so, to sit there and demand and think that you're on par with Robert Downey Jr., it's like, hey, you're not a young guy anymore. You know, you're not a you know you're not. Um, as happening as Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is, you know, his career is still at its peak. William Shatner hasn't really done anything in a long time. You know, he's done commercials, but he hasn't really done, like, any major leading roles in years. And, you know, for him to demand $50 million just to do a cameo, it's just ridiculous. That would have... The movie would have lost money to pay somebody $50 million just to do a cameo. But yeah, that's my Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner um, track. Um, But hold on here. I'm looking. Yeah, I think we started this at like 10 after. So we're going to continue this podcast. The world is a mess, and I just want to steampunk it. We're going to continue this until about 5.40 uh, L.A. time. But anyway, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Daniel? I talked about my uh, experience um, Leonard Nimoy, yeah. William Shatner, going to the track. Oh, I oh I can also talk about – I might as well talk about this on the podcast. Uh, I met – when I met uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, I stood in line for three hours because they were very popular. It was the first – the only time that they both went to Dragon Con together. This was Dragon Con 2009 again, for those who are just now tuning in. And I waited in line for three hours, and there was a, you had to get like red and blue tickets, and you had to prepay, and you there was a line for prepay. You would get your photo that you wanted autographed, you would get your tickets, and you had to wait in line because, you know, they're Winter, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, they sat in these little booths. And they're not cashiers. They don't. They don't want to have to. You know, they're celebrities. They don't want to have to worry about exchanging currency and giving change. So you just give them your ticket, and then he would autograph your picture. Well, the guy ahead of me, you know, is hot, sweaty, tiring. You're waiting in line, standing mostly still for three hours until they're ready to open up, or until the you get to the end of the line. And um, the guy ahead of me accidentally dropped his tickets. And Leonard Nimoy was kind enough that he still signed his autograph. He's like, oh, man, I've been waiting in line for hours. I, it's an honor to meet you. And I sincerely, you know, I, I promise you that I actually paid for a ticket. I just accidentally dropped my ticket. So Leonard Nimoy, being the compassionate guy that he was, 
actually sign the guy's autograph. William Shatner would not. He's like, you don't have a ticket. I'm not going to sign your autograph. And then um, to show you the difference in personality, like I had a movie script for a movie that I never produced that I had written called Headache Milkshake and the Darkness Scream. It's kind of a horror movie about alternate perceptions of reality, you know, kind of a sci-fi horror, more horror than sci-fi. And so I uh, tried to recruit Leonard Nimoy. I was, my plan was to try to get them to cast for this movie because I didn't have the money to pay them. But if I can get them interested in the project and other people in Hollywood would throw money at it. That's the, kind of the way it works. You can get one big name celebrity interested in your project. Other people will throw money at it. And then, then the thing kind of creates itself. Well, he looked at my script, Leonard Nimoy did, for 30 seconds, and he's like, I can't take this. And he politely gave it back to me. And I respect that of Leonard Nimoy. You don't have to like my horror movie script. You don't have to want to be a part of it. But he at least gave me a chance. He looked at it for about 30 seconds. Because Leonard Nimoy hadn't just been an actor, director. He'd been a producer. Or he had. He also was a producer. You know, he was an actor, director, and a producer. He had, He'd, he'd done some movies that he directed and produced. And so he was very polite, very nice. Uh, he was kind of skinny and gaunt when I saw him. You could tell he was in declining health. And then I went to William Shatner. And I'm not saying, as a celebrity, you don't have to accept anything that anybody gives you. I totally agree with that. It was just the way that William Shatner went about it was kind of rude. I approached William Shatner and... Uh, I was like, hey, I would like to give you a copy of my script. I would like to cast you in my movie. I went to the same MO that I went with Leonard Nimoy. He's like, oh, I can't take that. I'm like, okay, I can respect that. Well, I'd hope you respect that. You know, you know, he was kind of sarcastic with me and just kind of a smart ass. And yeah, so, you know, William Shatner, kind of a joke or, or kind of a, not a kind of a joke. He, he, you know, he's legendary Captain Kirk. I like the character Captain Kirk. I don't really like William Shatner in person. He's kind of a self-centered egomaniac. Uh, and it really came off as disingenuous. You can look up, there's a 2016 interview where he was on some talk show and he talked about how he doesn't know why he had a falling out with Leonard Nimoy. Well, saying crap like that at DragonCon 2009 during the Leonard Nimoy William Shatner track, that could be a reason why you weren't invited to his funeral. And that could be the reason why, um, well, actually, I think he was invited to his funeral, but he sent his daughters. But that could be the reason why he wasn't personally invited to his funeral. And that could be the reason why Leonard Nimoy stopped talking to him. Because, you know, he was kind of a jerk towards Leonard Nimoy. He'd been, and Leonard Nimoy had said in previous interviews that during the filming of the original 1960s Star Trek, William Shatner used to love to play pranks on people like, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy used to because, you know, you would have productions set at CBS where Gene Roddenberry was filming and managing production for the original Star Trek show in the 60s. And he had a bicycle that he rode around on around the set because it made it easier for Leonard Nimoy to get around on a bicycle instead of having to walk really far. And William Shatner would purposely hide his bike. He would steal Leonard Nimoy's bike and hide it and just do, like, really crude pranks like that. And, you know, later on in Leonard Nimoy's life, William Shatner, he was kind of a jerk to him. And so it makes sense that why he stopped talking to him. So William Shatner, very disingenuous when he, in a 2016 interview where he says, 
I don't know why my friend, he refers to him as his friend. I don't know why he stopped talking to me. Yeah, you do. You just don't want to talk about it. But yeah, so that's part one and two of this podcast. Part one was my experience meeting Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner at the, the, in 2009 at DragonCon. And part two was how I feel William Shatner was very disingenuous as to why his friendship ended with Leonard Nimoy. They, they never had a very good uh, friendship to begin with. It was always kind of rocky. Beanie, but going forward, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Daniel? Yeah, it's like, um, this, doesn't it suck that all the productions have been stalled? I mean, everything has been stalled. The only thing that I heard that's going to, I mean, in November, I know in November 2020, they're going to start production on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is really cool. Because I love that movie. I mean, I'm going to love that movie. I love multiverse. But everything else, like Star Trek, it's like Picard season two, like we were talking about, is postponed indefinitely, right? Yeah, well, we were talking off uh, camera. Yeah, it's postponed indefinitely because they were already supposed to be filming season two. Patrick Stewart said that he would return for season two. Uh, but unfortunately, everything in Hollywood here, you know, I live here in North Hollywood. And I'm very familiar with the way things are on the scene. And all because of COVID-19, we're still under quarantine. You know, we're pretty much just gas stations and grocery stores. You do have some restaurants open, some thrift stores open, but you have to wear your face mask and it's very restrictive business. Uh, you know, there's no beauty salons. There's no uh, bars, restaurants. You have to take things to go. Like if you go to Starbucks, you have to take it to go. You can't linger. You can't hang out. So it's made it very hard to network in Hollywood. But it's also like all production has been halted. There are no movie theaters to even play a movie at if you were to do production. So yeah, there are some new TV shows and some movies coming out this year, but it's stuff that was filmed prior to March. Or, or I think there was some stuff from Flash that was filmed at the beginning of March before they halted production. And so... Um, yeah, everything's uh, on freeze, and if this pandemic is going to be, you know, if you look at history to how long it's going to last, it's going to last a couple of years. Things are not going to get back to normal again and probably until 2022. In a lot of ways, things may never get back to normal. Yeah, AMC Movie Theater declaring bankruptcy, they may never reopen again. That's the largest movie theater chain in the United States going belly up. Uh, so, you know, they're talking about, you know, Drive-through movie theaters have now can do social distancing, but there's only a handful of drive-through movie theaters in the United States. So this is going to probably lead to drive-through movie theaters coming back, and more movies are going to go straight to streaming. So it's going to, this is going to probably permanently change the TV and film industry forever. It's never going to be the same. Uh, I mean, you have as of this recording of what 188,000 dead Americans because of COVID-19 in America. And that's because the federal government has a very lackluster response. They're not doing enough to stimulate the economy with people, 40 million people facing homelessness. They're not really, they're, they give, you know, sometimes they say it's okay to wear a mask, then it's not okay to wear a mask. Uh, they're, they're very inconsistent in messaging. They really need to just tell people to wear a mask and give people universal basic income, but they won't do that. Instead, they give trillions of dollars to Wall Street and corporations, but they're not helping out Main Street. They help out Wall Street, but they don't help out Main Street or Mainstay Americans. So yeah, things are very rough right now. Um, 
you know, you already got like in parts of Europe, they've already reopened everything and and they no longer have the need for social distancing because they have line tracing. They have enough tests for every member of the population. If somebody gets sick with COVID-19, they can quarantine them, prevent the infection from spreading. We're not preventing it from spreading at all. So more than likely, millions of people are going to die. Um, and unfortunately, the election is still too close to call. Uh, the thing that really concerns me is, let's see, let me look at Ohio poll. You got to realize Ohio is, the state of Ohio is really, it's too close to call. But the state of Ohio is a really good poll that lets you know, you know, you, you know where the country is leading. Usually, if you, you don't have to win Ohio to become president. But usually, ever since like the mid-1800s, every person who ever became president won the state of Ohio. So if somebody is leading in Ohio, it usually means that they could be leading in the national election. And the latest poll from September the 1st showed Trump leading by five points. Trump 50%, Joe Biden 45%. And it doesn't help that Joe Biden is an incredibly weak candidate. He... Um, you know, says stupid things like you can, you should shoot protesters in the legs instead of the chest. Well, how about we don't shoot them at all, Joe? But yeah, so when you do that, and then you, you know, the, the Democratic National Convention, where you have basically they allow the Democratic Convention to be taken over by Republicans, uh, AOC only got 60 seconds of a pre recorded message, but you got John Kasich, the former governor of Ohio, gets this to say a long, have a long rambling speech. Uh, you know, you have Colin Powell, who's basically a war criminal. Uh, it's not good. So if you promote yourself as, well, hey, we're going to kiss butt to Republicans. We are a Republican light. Then why even vote Democrat? Most people just either not vote at all or vote Republican. So, um, you know, so you, you uh, people got to watch out. It's it's still too close to call, and uh, Biden's lead has totally eroded. This is almost like 2016 all over again with Hillary Clinton. I predict Biden will win the popular vote, but if he doesn't change his campaign strategy, which effectively right now he doesn't have one, his strategy is just to stay hidden. Um, this could be a repeat of 2016 where where Trump wins the Electoral College but loses the popular vote. And this will be bad for our democracy in our country. But anyway, that's politics. And that's my take on COVID-19, which leads into, which comes from movies, the reason why everything you know is, is gone to hell in America. 2020 is the worst year. I, I would normally be at Dragon Con right now at this time of year, but they canceled Dragon Con because of uh, COVID-19. And uh, it's, you know, and then the, the thing that's even more annoying is I got ripped off by Delta Airlines for $290. Uh, I canceled my airplane ticket because of COVID-19 and they won't give me a refund. And then they tell me, well, you have until May to use your voucher. And if you don't use it by May, it just goes away and expires. And there's actually a class action lawsuit against Delta Airlines. I don't think I'll ever book a flight through Delta again. They're just so incredibly dishonest. They got billions of dollars in stimulus money through the CARES Act. 
they get funded by the Federal Aviation Commission. Uh, you know, the FAA, they get, they get federal funds every year to stay in business. They got funded through the CARES Act. And now they're not giving their customers a refund because of COVID-19. You know, that's the problem is this country is ruled by corporate feudalism. You know, you, 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 you know, we revert, we're starting to revert back to the dark ages where, where everything will be ruled by Dukes, Kings and Lords, but you just change the name instead of Dukes, Kings and Lords, you have CEOs, executives and their secretaries. And, you know, you, you, the executive board, the CEOs, executives, you know, if you're a privileged member of the executive class, then you're doing gravy. But if you're everybody else, you're just a mere peasant. And, and if you think that they, that most uh, multinational corporations don't view their workers as disposable, uh, squashable bugs and peasants, look at Walmart. They take out dead peasant insurance on their employees. And it's called dead peasant insurance. For a reason because they view their employees as uh peasants walmart views anybody working for them not only do they pay them a non-living wage and have really crappy medical benefits but they they view anybody working for them as a peasant they take out secret life insurance policies a lot of corporations do this because walmart is the number one employer in the united states which tells you how bad the u.s economy is if walmart's the number one employer these are not good jobs and you get treated like crap. You're forced to work off the clock. I, you know, my ex-fiance, uh, I, I knew a couple other people that worked at Walmart. They all got treated like crap. They're forced to push shopping carts off the clock, which is in violation of federal labor law. They fire anybody who tries to form a union, which is in violation of federal labor law. They fire, they Walmart violates uh, environmental laws by putting fertilizer out in the open where it gets rained on and leaks into the environment. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they, if you have, you know, if you're a company like Walmart where you have 2 million employees, two or 3 million employees, statistical probability dictates that a certain percentage will die and they make money off people dying. So they don't even have to make sure that their employees work in a safe environment. If they die, that's more money for them. Uh, and it's not a matter of, boycotting Walmart, you know, Amazon, Walmart, Target, they all treat their, uh, for some reason, my video is frozen. Am I frozen on your end? Yeah. Uh, what happened? I don't know what happened either, but you can still hear me. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't, it's not a matter of, of boycotting, um, businesses because they, they're, we have allowed corporations to run roughshod over the economy and labor rights for so many decades now it's just become the status quo and they brainwash people into accepting being treated like crap and so um but yeah so things are pretty bad um i don't know if they'll get better anytime soon um you know, uh, I am worried that Trump is going to get re, uh, reselected. I won't say reelected because he, he didn't even get the popular vote last time, and I doubt he'll get the popular vote this time. But he'll get reselected because he wins the right strategic states. And Biden is running a campaign that lacks strategy. But 
Yeah, so uh, I don't know why. I apologize, guys. I don't know why um, my video feed has frozen. But this is a podcast, so it doesn't really matter. We got about five more minutes before we wrap it up. Uh, I want to do my my exit line for the, like the last minute. So we have about four more minutes to talk about one more topic, Daniel. Anything else you want to talk about? One last topic. Um. Oh, uh, did you hear like um the um the DC movie, the DC Flashpoint movie? Apparently, apparently, it's rumored that the Flash is going to go to everyone. A lot of the older DC universes that we grew up with in the '90s, like for example, like we oh, made the 1990s visit, like, Flash show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean like the no the 1990s Flash movie. The one with Ezra Miller, the Flash movie. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, oh, you you don't watch the you don't watch the DC movies. It's a Flashpoint movie, and it's uh, we're they're going to visit like most of the DC older. Oh, is DC this an animated movie? No, no, it's a live action one. Never saw it. Never heard of it. Never saw it. But have you seen? Well, you've seen Batman v Superman, right? Yeah. Okay, so there's a flash. The movie. Yeah, there's a flash in that universe, right? And and they're going to make a Flashpoint movie based on that flash so he's going to go through the multiverse and uh we're going to see things like other other dc universes that'll be cool i have no like uh maybe we're gonna maybe we may see like maybe he runs to like a like the universe where you know batman forever where val kilmer is batman and we can see uh val kilmer looks like hell if you've seen val kilmer recently he's had like throat cancer and it's not his fault, but he's like very emaciated. He looks very unhealthy. I guess they could do CGI and makeup, but I don't know if Bell Kilmer would even return because of his declining health. But I thought they they weren't going to focus on Bell Kilmer. I thought they were going to uh, bring back the original guy that played the 1989. Yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah, but he's going to come like near the he's going to come like near like the end the, the other end of the movie. But I think like what. What he what, since Barry is traveling the multiverse, we're gonna see different Batman from different movies, right? And you know what? I think they're gonna separate Batman Forever and Batman and Robin from the Tim Burton Batman movies because those movies weren't as popular. I mean, a lot of people think that the Val, uh, a lot of people think that the Joel Schumacher movies were like the well, they were they were the decline of Batman, right? You know, yeah, Batman well, the, the didn't Schumacher? He only directed one Batman movie. It was the 1996 Batman and Robin, right? No, 1995. It was 1995 Batman and Robin, and then he did Batman. But it was wasn't it released in 1996? No, wait, well, Batman Forever. Batman Forever was 1995, and Batman and Robin was 1997. Okay, let me look it up real quick. I, I am. Yeah, they're separating those universes because Tim Burton doesn't well, like those movies. I thought Batman Forever was like 1991. But anyway, Batman. No, you're right. You, I stand corrected, sir. You're right. Batman Forever was 1995. Batman and... Batman and Robin was 1997. Mm-hmm. 
So I stand corrected. I, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm wrong when I make a mistake on something. But, but yeah, that's interesting. I look forward to it. But we need to wrap up because we're at the half hour point. I don't want to make this pod until my podcast starts taking off. For right now, I only have a handful of people that listen to my podcast. I need to keep it under 30 minutes. So thank you very much for your time, Daniel. Thanks a lot for having This is, uh, and, and uh, when I disconnect, stay on because I need to add you on my contact list or at least attempt to. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, uh, this is Steepbug Star Racing of AmberStreet.com, and this is the podcast, The World is a Mess, and I just went to Steampunk it uh, September the 6th, or sorry, September the 5th, sorry, September the 5th, 2020. This is The World is a Mess. I just want to steampunk it. You have a nice day, and I will see you 25 billion years. I will. Bye.